Amen, amen. I guess we'll get started. The coffee crew decided not to go and uh, get coffee in the back. I guess everybody has had such a great new year and, you know, we're not really going to get into the coffee cakes. I know we're having salad today. I need a salad, like really, really bad. Um, I'm going to tell you what, I've had one of the most blessed holidays that anyone could probably have. We were having to keep probably the biggest secret that, that we were, have ever kept, and we kept messing it up, and we would have to fix it, and it was really, really bad for a little while. I mean, uh, and we had to make all kinds of concessions, but as you notice, my daughter is not here. She will be here next week, but uh, I'm kind of announcing it this morning because I'm tired of just having to keep secrets and stuff but uh my daughter is engaged to micah baker amen amen we're we're uh we're excited about that she's been she's been excited i mean we were having to keep these secrets for a while and micah loves to do secrets he loves them so he put things in our christmas tree and she would go is it it am i about to i mean do i need like i didn't even fix my hair on christmas morning should i fix my hair you know I mean that's how that's how bad it was because she knew it was coming, but he was he was doing all these little things to like you know fake her out, and I was like oh gosh, so we went last night and had sort of like an engagement party. It was it was pretty awesome, um, but yeah our our whole our whole holiday has been trying to keep a secret. Um, so it, it's been real fun. Uh, I'm I'm I love my future son-in-law. He's a great kid. His family are awesome. I really just appreciate I appreciate them because they've they've raised him as a good kid and um, it's just it's been awesome. It really has been. That's my little girl. And uh, I just to me, you know, I can't ask for anything but a good godly man to be in her life. And that's what we've been praying for. We've had a vision ever since she was born. Every year we said we're going to pray for Kaylee and Caleb. We're going to pray for their mates. And we did. Every single day we would pray for their mates. And we put it down in our visions to say we are believing God and having a vision for what our future is going to be. 20, 30 years later, whatever it was, before they were even born, we were sitting there saying, we're praying for our children's mates. Do you know that a vision is generational? You know, I'm putting into my children right now because I want great, 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 great grandchildren that are serving the Lord for a thousand generations. You know, that's how awesome God is, is that in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says that a day is like a, is like a thousand years unto the Lord. That basically means that God is a generational God. And he does not want for any generation to miss out on the goodness of God. He doesn't want any generation to miss out on anything that he has for them. And so... You know, I'm opening us back up because I know last week I, we had several people. I mean, we had families uh, and, and everything that we had people going and being with their family, and that's awesome. But I want to I continue in this realm of vision for 2022 because 2022 is going to be a dynamic year. Is it going to be the greatest year you've ever had? I'm believing it is. I'm believing it's going to be. I'm believing I'm putting a stake right now in the ground and I'm saying 2022 is going to be awesome. And you know what? Everybody else should be on board with that. It's going to be awesome for you too. But see, the thing is, it starts with a vision for what you want. Last week, by the way, this is not Habakkuk, it's Habakkuk. So don't, I've had people correct me. Well, that's Habakkuk. No, it's Habakkuk. Just get on board with it. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Then the Lord answered and said unto me, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, 
or I'm sorry, tablets. That means paper. It's a sign. You can put your vision anywhere that you can write on. If you want to go get a big piece of granite and you want to put your vision on the granite, put it on there. But you know what? I've just got post-it notes somewhere. You know what? On my iPad, up in the cloud, you know, I, I made mention of this, but, you know, Moses was the first one to download from the cloud and put it on a tablet, okay? So anybody that wants to use any medium, you know, God has given you the, the option because he did it via technology a long, long time ago. But what I want you to understand is that the reason why you write it down is because you have to do something with it. The runner may read it. The runner reads it. That means that if I'm going to run, I need to know where to run to. That means I've got to have a vision of where to go next. You know, we just don't say, okay, we're going to have a foot race. Which, by the way, I'm not going to race you. If you, you win, okay? But if we have a foot race, you know, this is the way it was when I was a kid. You would say, okay, I'm going to race you back to the house. It's like, okay. And then the next thing you know is that, like, my cousin would take off down this, this back way and go run around, and he would be there first. Which he probably could have beat me the, the first way, okay, or, or the most, most hard way. Because I was not a very good runner. But until you set the rules, until you set a vision of where you're going, you're just going to be like kids going, hey, I'll race you, okay, go. And they just take off. I won. I touched the back wall. I didn't know I was supposed to go to the back wall. But see, the runner has to know what the vision looks like in order to be able to take off in that direction. Do you know that there's multiple runners? We talked about this last week. You know that in our life, I've had more people helping me run. More people helping to point me in the right direction. You may be saying, well, you know, that's unfair. Well, you know what? It happens all the time. If you go and you look at these you know, we were in Disney World um, for a conference that I had years ago. And they had these people who were running marathons through Disney. Well, they had signs that said, go this way, but they had, you know, characters and, and all this stuff that was out there, and they would point people, here's where the, the race is, and here's where the park is. Do you know that we have people in our lives that help us run every single day? I found out about technology through someone who poured pipe, uh, poured steel for pipes, the Lord showed him and illuminated someone in his office building. He had never worked on any technology. He just walked up to him. The Lord told him to go talk to him. It's Joe Chafin. Told him to go, go talk to him. He found out in 15 minutes something that I needed to know. He came up to me and he said, The Lord just told me to tell you this. You know, there's multiple times we kind of pass the Lord off. Oh, that wasn't the Lord. That was pizza. I was having some indigestion and it was probably just pizza. I'm not supposed to go talk to Steve and Mary Jane about this certain thing. Even though it keeps coming back up to me that I need to talk to Steve and Mary Jane, it can't be the Lord, right? No, it is. Go talk to them. You know, it's like we were talking about before. I'm not worried about being embarrassed anymore. I'll come up and talk to anybody about the Lord. I'll tell them something that the Lord's showing me you know, most of the time, and now I'm not going to go tell them, well, you need to go buy a car and go do this and go do that and, you know, buy this house. That, that's not what a vision does. A vision is something that is known and that helps. See, I, Joe didn't come up to me and said, you have to go do this. Joe come up and said, this is what this guy did. You might want to know about it. And I said, okay. And it sent me down a path because I didn't know anything. I was completely and totally ignorant. I was a kid. I was like 18 years old. I had no, no way of knowing. Joe comes up and says, this is how this guy did it. I found out about all kinds of technology and everything. And now I have a computer engineering degree, but I also have all these different uh, background um, Cert certifications and everything else because 
people would say, this is a good certification. I would look into it. I'd go, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll try that one. There was sometimes I would look at a certification. I'd go, nope, that's not for me. I prayed about it. The Lord told me that's just going to lead me down a path of wasting my money, wasting my time. You know, that's only one example in my life where as a runner, I'm running and I think I'm running in the right direction. And all of a sudden, somebody like Charlie or Reba or, or mom and dad, and they come up and they go, hey, have you thought about? Well, no, I haven't thought about. That's the reason why the runners are multiple and they're plentiful. That's one of the reasons why we do need to tell. I talked about this last week, not about the pigs. You know, it said, Jesus said, don't throw your pearls before swine. There are people who will want to stomp on your vision. Well, that's not good. You'll never do that. You know what? If you ever tell your vision to someone and they stomp on it, that's the last time you need to talk to them about anything to do with your vision. Okay? Makes sense, right? So I'm going to go and I'm going to go not find the naysayer over here. I'm going to go find somebody who says, yeah, well, I'll be looking out for you. You know, that needs to be the number one thing in a Christian's heart is to say, I'm looking out for you. You need to be going down the road and all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm thinking about Dusty. Hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to pray for Dusty. Oh, oh, somebody is here and they said something and I feel like I need to tell Dusty about that. You know, that's how we got into this building. You know, that's how we got... That's how I got into Karis Bible College. That's how I got into doing cybersecurity. I, there was people in my life that said, hey, have you thought about? See, this one scripture right here says, it says, make it plain upon tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is for an appointed time. Do you know that every time I've had somebody talk to me about a visionary thing, that I just didn't go and say, okay, I'm running after it right now. It took me weeks and months to be able to understand what do I do next. I had to seek first the kingdom. I had to go find out, is it even feasible for it right now? I found out about Karis Bible College when I was wanting to go and, well, I found out about Karis Bible College through Andrew Womack, but I found out through Andrew Womack because of Andrew Gullion. See, it was very convoluted, and it was, it was, we just spun for a little while. I found out in 2011, it took me until 2015 to get there because it was for an appointed time. See, we all go fast food restaurant idea, right? Well, I get my vision today, and this should be done by the end of February. Okay. Well, you know, there you. If your vision is, I want to do something different in my job, well, you might have to educate yourself. That might take years. You know, Steve and I were talking about lights and about all this other stuff before the service. And there, I mean, that, that industry, you may think, well, electricity has been around for a long time. Lights have been around for a long time, but they are expanding. There is more to be learned about things that are in those fields that you need to educate yourself about. So you can't just say, well, that's the way I'm going to go. I, I mean, I'm sure there's schools for this and, and there's certifications and there's all this other stuff. Well, guess what? Every single thing that you do is going to have an appointed time. And by the way, in 2015, I started classes at Karis. That didn't mean I finished them. It wasn't until... 2017 that I actually got my degree from, from Karis Bible College. Do you know that time is an essence that we need to be okay with? Because generationally, we're not just doing it for right now. We're doing it because there's something else going to go on in the next generation. What if I just did something and it benefited my son and he's going to be the one that goes and does something awesome? Guess what? I'm okay with that. I am perfectly fine with the next generation taking one small thing that dad did and expanding upon it and it being great. Or how about three generations from now? 
See, this is why this is important for us to run and to not forget and to continue. Because it's for an appointed time, but in the end, it will speak, it will declare, it will be made known, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And then Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. See, the proud, see, selfishness, I learned this a couple years ago, I wished I'd known this when I was a kid. See, I always thought selfishness was just... Not to say that it's not the other ways you think of selfishness. But see, selfishness can also be that I don't want help from anyone. I don't want help from God. I don't want help from people. I don't want anything. I want it to all be about me. Look at how smart I was. Look at how great I was. You know, I used to think that that was the way that that you were supposed to do it. You're supposed to bootstrap yourself. You know, the 1980s was the, was the decade of the bootstrap. Everybody was trying to, I have, I'm not able to get loans. I'm not able to do all this stuff. So, you know, Papa John, you know, the John, whatever his name is, that started Papa John's, I listened to his thing, and he said that he basically got $300 or something like that, and he started Papa John's in his college. And you think, well, heck, Papa John's is a huge, big thing. And he talked about all the the heartache and all the things that he had to go through and everything. The one good thing that he said out of this is he said, well, my dad gave me the 300 bucks. Dad, I need $300, okay? So if you want to give that to me, I'm going to buy a pizza oven. But my whole whole point behind this is, is that we as a society love the conquering, overcoming story where I didn't need anybody, I didn't do anything. All I had to do is just, I just had to power through in my own power. Well, you know, that's selfishness. And God says he is proud and his soul is not upright in him because the just shall live by faith. You're thinking, well, hey, faith, what is faith? Well, we're about to talk about some faith. Because I think that a lot of times we believe that we can't do it but only in our own power. And that's selfishness. I also think that our vision comes along and and I don't know how many people like the office in here. We we went back through and was looking at the office. Y'all probably have never, if you've never seen it, this is um, basically you have um, Steve Carell and then you have the other guy that plays Dwight. Uh, It says, I don't know what I'm supposed to be writing my vision about. And then Dwight goes, all you need is motivation, huh? Thoughts, you need fear and approaching deadline. Well, I put down here, Dwight, you're wrong. Because by the time you've gotten to an approaching deadline and you've gotten to fear, you don't have a vision. You have a help statement. Help! I need to pay my bills next month. Help! I need, to, I need to figure out what I need to do next. And I only have a month. Lord, show me what to do. Provide the money, provide the time, provide everything. Now, I've done told you, it took like four years before I actually started Karis Bible College. Do you know that I found out about it when I was finishing my master's degree in computer engineering from UAB? So I have a, I have a UAB ring on here for computer engineering master's degree. You may be thinking, that's great, Dusty. You're very proud of it. You wear it all the time. You polish the ring like you're doing now. (sighs) But you know what? The reason why I was very proud of it is because 13, 14 years before, I had ADD and dyslexia, and I didn't even have a high school diploma. So I was thinking, man, I'm I'm leaving college. I've attained all these things. Now what? And then the Lord starts putting on my heart about going to Karis Bible College. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, you are changing. I mean, we're taking a 180-degree turn here. I went from computer engineering degree, and now you want me to start thinking about a Bible college? And I went around telling everybody, I'm just going to learn. I, I, don't, I don't want to do any of that ministry stuff. I don't want to do any of it. Well, within three months, I was already starting to talk to people after starting Karis Bible College about being in the ministry. Within five months, 
we actually started doing co-pastoring with another pastor in a church in Jacksonville. And people go, man, that was fast. No. The Lord started talking to me back in 2011, and this was happening in 2016. So you have to understand your vision is for that appointed time. It's not an approaching deadline. You shouldn't sit there and write your vision because you've got to pay your bills next month. That is not when you start your vision. Your vision has to be for that appointed time. I'm starting my vision. When we were praying for Kaylee and Caleb, didn't even know their names. We were just married. We were trying to, we were trying to put stuff down in our vision because we wanted to see 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 years and 40 years and then generations after us. So what you have to understand is that your vision is for that appointed time. You know, one of the great things about the Holy Spirit is He's constantly changing my vision. There's little bitty things that He changes it. So we have to write our vision and then, you know, I may get in the middle of the vision and realize, hey, I've got to change it because I'm not seeing this right. Do you know that when I first found out about computers, I thought they were one thing. I mean, and, you know, there may be people in here that have had to deal with this. I know Vicki deals with technology all the time. But I walked in thinking that it was a bunch of desktop computers. That every, the world ran on a desktop computer. That was the way I felt like it. And then I started getting into the computer field and realized there are data centers full of just all kinds of computers. There's more OSs out there than you can throw a you can throw a stick at. It is vast. But you know what? It took me years to figure out what is this thing called a computer. Do you know that my vision changed a lot? Because I went from, I want to work on desktop computers. Which there's nothing wrong with that. But people would go, well, you're going, you want to go in computer engineering? Yeah. Okay, well, you want to code? You want to, you know, you want to build circuit boards? I mean, I have a, an associate degree in, in electronics. I started learning how to put actual components on circuit boards. Do you know that after I did all of that, I got into the field and people started going, these are throwaway. We're not even going to do that anymore. You, I, had, I had old guys that was going, oh, son, you need to get out of this right now. But I got a whole associate degree before I realized I got to get out of it. My vision had to take a 180. I had to go in a different direction. Because if I didn't, I would have been in a dead-end position. But see, I had to have other people go, no, this is wrong, go somewhere else. Not because the vision was stupid, it's because it needed to change. You know, if you, if you go and you go to buy a house, and you find out it's in a floodplain, say, thank God, I'm not buying that house. Even though it may be your dream house, don't buy the house if it's going to get flooded every five years. You may be going, but that's the only house that I've ever loved in my life. You know what? God's going to give you another house. But my point behind this is, is do not allow your vision to be something that is just finite. Your vision changes almost daily sometimes for me. Because there's certain things that I find out I don't want to do. There's some things that I find out that I had the wrong idea and I don't want my kids to do this. So I need to be putting into people. Visions need to do that. They need to be flexible. You know, most visions don't happen in a short time frame. You need a vision that requires prerequisites. You need to have education time. You need to have those times to volunteer and to understand. Sometimes the best thing for you to do is if you ever want to do something else is go volunteer for a little while. Yes, you don't get paid, but at the end of it, you find out if that's really what you want to do. So a vision should take you in a direction. You know, but it's probably not where your expected outcome is going to be. I'm doing cybersecurity. Back in 1999, 2000 time frame, I'd have told you I was going to be a computer, uh, I was going to be a network engineer because that's what I was doing. Well, you know what? 
it changed. I'm doing something different because my vision changed, because the market changed, because everything changes. But see, that's why we need to trust and have faith. A vision is a testament to the things not seen. So we're going to talk a little bit about faith. I'm going to run through this. It's not going to be an in-depth teaching about faith. But in Hebrews 11.1, 1, everybody's probably read this. This is the, the faith chapter. We get into all the people who have done all the things that God had told them to do. They were the faithful, right? But it says in Hebrews 1 through 3, uh, 11, 1 through 3, it says, Now faith, that word is pista, uh, pistas, and it is a moral conviction, a belief, or trust. So now, trust is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This word hope, it is the word that means to have confidence, to expect. I'm expecting what the vision is to come to pass. When a vision is put into me, I'm not sitting there going, well, that ain't ever going to happen. Well, if that's the first thing that comes to your mind, you haven't even started your vision. Okay? Don't even write it down if that's the way you want, you want to look at it. Because if your vision is something you don't want to do, then it's not your vision. Okay? If I walk up to Caleb and say, okay, Caleb, you want to be a doctor. And you're going to see blood and dead people all the time. And Caleb goes, every time I see blood, I throw up. Every time I see dead people, I just want to go crawl in a hole and I don't ever think about dead people again. No, but you, you have to be a doctor. See, if that's, the, if that's the thing that I think that I'm supposed to do, but it's not what I want to do, then it's not my vision. It's somebody else's vision. And it says in verse 2, it says, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. That meant that they were a witness to it. It meant that they, said, they saw it with their mind's eye. So think about this. Abraham, Abram, before he became Abraham, God in Genesis chapter 15 told him, Hey, you're going to have all these people. You're going to have all these things that are going to happen. Uh, you know, you're going to have children that it's going to be beyond the sands of the sea, the stars in the sky. And Abraham says, I don't even have one kid. It, it really took Abraham time. It took Sarah time to get a hold of that vision. It took them years. And then they were able to have a kid. And they had one kid. And then they ended up having Israel. And Israel became a whole nation. And then out of that, Jesus came. And then now each and every person who accepted Jesus Christ is a son and daughter of Abraham. Because it was a promise that was to God. Or from God to him. But see, that's one of the reasons why in Hebrews chapter 1 or Hebrews chapter 11... It talks about Abraham almost at the beginning. It's like Abraham, by faith, him and Sarah believed. Do you know that every single time we have something in our lives that we're supposed to be believing for, we may go, I don't ever see that happening. Well, you know what? You may write that vision down, but write down beside it if you don't really truly know. Lord, help me to see this. Because it says here, for the elders, they obtained a good testimony because they saw it. They saw it by faith. In verse 3, it says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of, the, or, or were made of the things which aren't visible. Let me re-say that, I'm sorry. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which were visible. What you have to understand is, is that in our life, if you're trying to understand how God created stuff before there was stuff, then you're going to, we got scientists right now, they just spin and tool. 
oh, well, it had to be a, a primordial egg type thing that created the Big Bang and then it exploded and the stars created this and it started. And you're sitting there going, wow, that's awesome. That's a great fan fiction story. Y'all are just rewriting this stuff every day, right? Because no one knows. There's some things that they're just taking at face value because they trusted the guy next to him that said, hey, listen to this. This is what I think we should do. This is what we should say. But see, that's what I want you to understand is that when God said, let there be light, we were actually talking about this going over to Atlanta uh, for, the, for the party last night. You know, every single thing that we have in this world came from an immaterial being. I mean, he was a spirit. In fact, John, in John, it actually says that we worship him in spirit and truth because God is a spirit. He's not a physical man. I was listening to a guy online and he said, you know, so far we've looked out into the cosmos and we've not found a bearded man. And I was like, if you find a bearded man, it's not God. I mean, if you find whatever you want to find out there, if it is a physical being that has physical limitations, you didn't find God, okay? Now, if God allows you to see himself, you're going to know it's God. Because every time God showed up, there was Godness happening, right? People were falling over. They were unable to speak. There was fire coming down from heaven. It was amazing when God showed up. Because God said, I'm not material. So when I come in, I come in like a... Boom! I'm God. Do you know that every single time that we get into these idealisms about, you know, I was telling Heather and Caleb last night, I was like, most people live in fallacies. Well, if this is true, if the big brain is true, then God is not, is not real. And I'm like, why? See, what we have to understand is that by faith, they're believing that there was a big bang because you can't see it. They, they took two and two and they made it 397. Because math, when you talk about the beginning of time, because there was no time. Because God is an immaterial, no time God. One day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day unto God. See, what we have to understand is that this immaterial God created every single thing that is material. He actually, we were talking about this, he actually spun the earth so we would have day and night. He could have put it on one side and we would have just had day on one side. Do you know that our moon never spins? We only see one side of the moon every single time. Do you know that gravitationally that doesn't make sense? It should orbit at some point in its own orbit because it is, it is out there in the orbit of an orbiting earth. Do you know that what we have to understand is that God in his godness, his glory, he's immaterial. I'm not looking for a bearded man in the middle of the universe. It's not going to happen. See, what we have to understand is that when God says it, it happens, and he puts it into motion. It's one of the reasons why I believe that he wanted to have Jesus come and give us the power and the authority is because he could talk to us directly. He didn't have to keep creating all of these visions and all these different things. Now he can just come and talk to us individually every single day. We can give the goodness of God every single moment to people. We get to be the children. We get to be a part of the family. We get to be the face of the family. It says here, you know, it says that, that the worlds were framed by his word. Do you know that every single time in my life when his word has become rhema to me, there's been something. And rhema just means it's been enlightened. And I'm talking about his actual word. I'm not talking about 
I mean, I do. The Lord says, hey, go do something, and I do it. But what I want you to understand is, is that the word itself, like I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, that became alive in me. It became so apparent to me that I just took it for years. I just meditated on I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. And see, what happens was it became a testament. People would say, well, are you going to be able to do this? Are you going to be able to go to college? I mean, you barely even got a GED. Are you going to be able to go to college? I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. It became, a, it became my vision. It became my mantra. It became my banner. It became everything that I had. And see, every single thing that God has for you, he's trying to get it into the people that are around you. You know, there's lots of people, I would even say even in my family, that was like, it was a testament to them when they started seeing God show up and show out. I mean, just ask my mom. I was a wreck. I was a mess. So whatever you see right now, if you think it's good, bad, or indifferent, it was a whole lot worse, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. Can I get an amen in the back of the room? Amen. <laughs> But see, that's what I want you to understand is that every time you see me, you see a witness to the things that God has done in my life. And you see witnesses of people who have seen my life. And they, they'll say, yep, he was a mess. He's a whole lot better now because he's got God. My aunt's going, no, you were never a mess. You know what? She's the only one that's probably going to say, yeah, he's not a mess. Thank you, Carol. That's awesome. I appreciate that. She loves me more than everybody else. <laughs> but I want, you, I want to show you a couple of examples of visions that, that are in the Bible. Because you may be sitting here going, hey, this sounds very immaterial. I don't really understand how this works. Well, I'll show you some of them. The vision of Peter. So Peter, in the end of 1 Peter chapter 5, he goes through and he's talking to the church. He's trying to get the church to understand some stuff. He was wanting the church to have a vision of how to carry on. He wanted the people in the church to be able to expand themselves out into other people. Because the church was being persecuted. Pretty much from the time Jesus died on the cross... They, there was no peace in the church until 384 A.D. Constantine got saved and said, Hey, I'm now making this the religion of all of Rome. The, the greatest actual government on the earth made it legal for people to be Christian. Until that time, everybody was either being persecuted you, if you were found out to be a Christian, you could be murdered. I mean, it was bad. And there was people signing up every single day. Think about that. I mean, right now, if somebody said, hey, Christianity is illegal, like it is in China, do you know that that's when people sign up? It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. See, I accepted Jesus not because somebody forced me to. And I, I accepted Jesus not because somebody was trying to force me to not be. I grew up in a time where it was very much accepted for me to be a Christian. I had people that were like, yeah, this is the best way to go. Think about it. I mean, but there's people that was actually, it was like, hey, my brother got murdered and I decided to accept Jesus. <laughs> Whoa. See, there's something about the vision that God puts in people's hearts that says, I'm going to stand up for what is good and what is right and what is pure because it's in my heart to do something. Everybody, even the most hardened Satanist, if that's what you want to go with, they still can see what good and evil is. And see, that's what... That's what Peter was trying to give a vision for everybody's life was he wanted to say, hey, I want people to understand where you go next. So Peter's vision for elders and, and for the young people. In 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4, it says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Serve as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. 
So essentially, he's talking to people who, who are older in the faith. He's wanting people to say, hey, don't try to make money off of, pe- off of young people. Don't try to make money off of people who don't know about the gospel. But be an elder. Teach everybody what they need to know. You know that that's how the church grew for 2,000 years under persecution and everything else is the fact that there were people who said, I know Jesus, I know how, I know how to listen to him, and I know how to have relationship, and I'm going to teach somebody else how. In verse 3 it says, Nor being lords over those that are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. So elders help those younger people to, to grow. It's a vision, if you will, that Peter was laying out to the church to say, this is how we're supposed to have relationship. This is how we're supposed to have mentorship. You know, if you worked in the, the corporate world, we have people talk about vision all the time. We have we have vision statements and we have all these other things. And I've got people that are over me that we have conversations and they repeat every time we talk about the vision statement for the power company. Every single time. Why would you think that would be? It's because they want everybody to know. They don't want them to ever forget what the vision of Southern Company is. They don't want to forget what is happening in our, in our uh, industry. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, how does, that, how does that bode well for my family? I mean, that sounds great for a business. Well, if every time I talk to my son, I tell him that Jesus loves him, I talk about always, always, always seek first the kingdom of God. Always, always, always get a word or a direction from God before stepping, and that would be your vision. You know, if I keep saying that over and over and over again, he's going to continue down that path. And when he gets older, he's not going to forget. You know, we pray in my household. I hear him praying at night in his bedroom. He doesn't know it until right now, but I hear him praying. Do you know that every single day we're talking about vision? We're talking about how do you live next? What's the next thing that you need to do? Where do we need to go next? How do we listen to God? And see, that's the thing. We're mentoring as an elder. Our children, we're mentoring people that are around us. See, this is the thing that Every single person who knows the truth, the truth just keeps making people free. We just keep putting the truth in and it just makes them free. We just keep putting the truth in. And then eventually we have here what is in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 10 where it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another. That means elders and youth. Elders and the young. So he didn't just say, hey, young people you got to be submissive to me, boy. That's not, that's not what he said. We had to be submissive to each other. Because guess what? I have a part to play in this as his elder. Because I could say, you know what? I just don't feel like mentoring my son today. I'm just not going to tell him the right thing today. I'm going to be like, just go do, leave me alone. I believe that's where we're at in our society. Go, go turn the TV on. Well, it's not even the TV. Go get your iPad. Okay, let's go put this on the iPad. Maybe there'll be something good that will teach them something on that iPad. Do you know that there's nothing wrong with having entertainment? There's nothing wrong with having time. But every single day, I can't just let my son and my daughter and then eventually my grandchildren, I can't let them just be and say, well, they'll, they'll figure it out. No, this is not by happen chance. I have to submit to them. That would be selfishness if I didn't. And it says, be clothed in humility. I have to sit there and go, yeah, 
I got to humble myself. Yes, Lord, I'm going to go and I'm going to spend time doing these things, even though I may be tired, even though I may have other things that I need to do. I'm going to spend time putting in where I need to be putting in. And it says, it says here, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. So, you know, humility is the opposite of selfishness. I humble myself before the Lord and go, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yes, I, I don't want to go back to school if that was something I wanted to do. Back in 2011, I did not want to go to Bible school. I will tell you that. It took a while for the Lord to kind of go, are you going to humble yourself? Okay, not this year. Okay, let's go to the next year. Hey, you're going to humble yourself. I got all the way to the ninth, I mean, the 11th hour, and I was about, I needed to go and register. I didn't do it. So I didn't humble myself. I was like, oh, I'm just too tired. I got too much stuff going on. Work was making me go and do all these conferences. I was getting up in front of, Four and five and six hundred people and talking about cybersecurity. It was I thought, this is where this is where it's at, Lord. I'm gonna be known as the next, you know, uh, cyber guru in America. And the Lord was like, No. What did we talk about since twenty eleven? And I finally had to go, okay, Lord, I'll go and I'll do that. And I signed up and I went to Bible school. You know that when I humble myself you know, he provides lots of awesome things. He provides me with grace. Grace is just a gift. He provided me with a gift in my wife that was like, we're going to get everything taken care of that we needed to take care of. The money came for me to be able to go to school. I mean, everything worked out. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. Nothing in life's perfect. There's always a roadblock. There's always somebody trying to stop you. But you know what? God will always provide another door. If one door closes, another door opens. And so you have to understand that God's constantly trying to say, hey, if you will allow me to do this, I will do this with you and for you. And it says, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood in the world. He's saying, hey, you're not alone. You know how many times I've said, well, Lord, I've got more burdens than everybody else. I mean, just look at me. I mean, everybody take a look at Dusty. Y'all are looking at a burden to God, right? And then the Lord goes, okay, you done with your pity party? Because everybody else has got the same problems. And I have to go, okay, well, I guess everybody else does have the same problems. But the Lord goes and says, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to overcome or are you going to be overrun? You know that most people in their life, they just sit back and go, I'll just be overrun. Just run me over. But the Lord didn't call us to be run over. He called us to be overcomers. And so it says here in verse 10, but may the God of grace, uh, who called us out of called his to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, uh, after you have suffered a while, uh, a while perfect, established, and strengthened, and settled you. What you have to understand is, and, and everybody always goes, "Oh, suffering! Oh, I don't want to suffer." You know that I just showed you what suffering was. Well, I got all these things going on in life, Lord. And the Lord goes, hey, you know what? Yeah, everybody else has got stuff going on too. Are you going to suck it up and move on? Or are you just going to keep being run over by all of your things? The Lord's not saying, hey, somebody's going to whip you. That's not what it said. You go look up this word suffering. It just means that I don't want to have this happen anymore. I don't want to have to deal with people. I don't want to have to deal with my time being managed, um, you know, I mean, how many people just want to go home and sit down and, you know, read a paper or watch TV or do something? This guy. I found out this, this word the other day. It was, called, um, it was called sleep revenge or something like that. It, it's basically where people say, 
you know what, I want my own time. So they stay up until 1 o'clock in the morning. I go, I've been doing that all my life. I mean, well, the kids, I get them in bed and everything. I'm just going to stay up and have my time. And by God, I'm going to stay up until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, I I was insomnia for, for a long, long time. But I found out that I was revenging against sleep. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. But, it's, but I put down here, your life is a one day at a time type of life. You are also perfected one day at a time. And see, Paul right here, and I'm not going to get real in depth because we're getting later, but Paul actually shows a vision of how to hand off to the next generation, which I thought was awesome. The Lord kept taking me back to, to 2 Timothy 4, 2-8. Paul is in jail for like the 80th time, and he knows that his time is getting close to where he's going to die. He actually is wishing for it. He's like, hey, I just want to go home and be with the Lord. You know, I think that there's a point where we all go to that says, hey, it's going to be a whole lot better there than it is here. And so he said... Hey, I want you to do some stuff because you're the young guy that I've been putting into all these years. And so in 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 8, it says, Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. It says, Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So he's talking about, hey, you know what? You're going to run into people who's going to say, I don't, I don't want the word. I don't think the word is good. He goes, you just keep teaching the right things. You just don't be moved by what people do. You know that I'm never moved by what my, if my vision's opposite of your vision, that's okay. That's okay. I'm not moved by if you're doing something and I'm doing something. I want you to be successful in what you do and I want to be successful in what I do. I also Don't want, if there's a roadblock that happens in your life, if I can help remove your roadblock, that's what I want to do. See, that's what we have to do as believers is we need to figure out how we come together because the word of God stands when believers believe. It's not just words that are on a page. We have to believe and we have to move. And we have to be a part of the things that God is calling us to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce down here um, in uh, verse 5. And it says, but, but you be watchful of all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. See, Paul didn't say, I want you to fulfill my ministry. I'm in jail. Go do the things that was on my heart. No, he said, do the things that God is calling you to do. Do your ministry. You know what? My ministry is going to be completely different than Caleb's ministry. I never, ever, ever want to go and say, son, you're going to have to always stay with me here at Identity Church. Because you know what? God may call him and he goes and does something else. That's sad. I mean, everybody get the weepy. Oh, my son, he left me. Well, you know what? That's not what I'm going to tell him at all. I'm going to say, I want you to fulfill your ministry. What is God calling you to do? For I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. So I want you to understand, there's a crown of glory that is talked about in, in, in 1 Peter. Let me go back here. It says here in 1 Peter 5, uh, 2 through 4, it says, and the chief shepherd comes, you'll receive a, receive a crown of glory. See, I want you to understand is that a crown of glory means that, hey, when, when Jesus comes back, we're going to be all glorified with him. We're going to be standing right beside him. It's going to be an awesome day. It's going to be like a party. Well, guess what? Paul said, I'm not even looking at that day. I just want to go to heaven now. Can I just go on and be with Jesus? So he says, I just want to be with the righteous in Christ Jesus in heaven. Just let me have my crown. I don't want to be here anymore. He goes, I want to 
turn all this over to you guys because I've been putting into you for all these years. And it says here, it says, I have kept the faith and finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not me only, but also we get this same exact crown. See, this crown of righteousness is not just for him, it's for us all. You know, under our suffering, you know, our trials, God's word continues to provide instruction to us to make us overcomers. You know, there's going to be an opportunity in your life where you're going to have to go through some stuff and you're going to be sitting there going, I'm, I may or may not want to do this. And everybody, like I said, they want to look at suffering as, well, somebody's persecuting me. No, it may be that you're... It may be that you're having to go back to school or, hey, I've got to go and um, I've got to go and keep the nursery. Oh, man. You want to talk about in the past, we've had, we would be at other churches and it'd be like somebody just gave a death sentence to people. It's like, we're, you got to keep the nursery this week. Everybody would be like, oh, God, Lord Jesus, please help me. Take me now. I don't want to go take the nursery. You know that that's suffering. But there's a purpose. Because you may be the one that is in there with that kid and the kid is running around tearing everything up and you can't get him to stop and you're like, little Johnny, stop! And he turns around and looks up at you and goes, can you tell me about this Jesus? See, sometimes in the midst of our greatest suffering, we find that the greatest ministry in our lives have happened. I don't want to do this. And the Lord goes, yeah, but there's a purpose. There's a reason for your vision. Well, God, I may be too old. You keep giving me these visions that are too big and I'm too old. Well, you ain't too dead yet. You know, when you get too dead, that's when your vision is, is too big. Okay? You can say, hey, I've given it up. I don't have a vision anymore. But you know, as long as you're breathing and you're above the ground, God's going to constantly be talking to you about things that he is wanting to do for you and for the people that are around you. You know, I always loved when my Nana, she was getting older, she would tell you the exact same story like 15 times. It was great. But do you know the thing that always, even in the midst of when she got older and she wasn't able to do all the things that she wanted to do, that she had done for us in the past, she was constantly a force in our family that was keeping us together. She constantly would call us and talk to us, encourage us. She wanted to know about the kids. She loved every minute of it. But there was work. At 80-something years old, she was... Going around and checking on everybody. I mean, she probably checked up on Carol 15 times a minute. I mean, that's just who she was. But she would constantly have a vision of what the family was supposed to look like. She was constantly praying for us. You know, you're not too old until you're too dead. And so far, everybody in here is living and breathing. So God's got a vision for you in 2022. Do you know that I asked everybody last week, and I'm going to ask it again, because I want to pray for our visions next week, but I want everybody to go home. I'm giving homework. A good teacher always gives homework, okay? There's a good teacher out there. She used to give homework all the time. But see, what I want you to understand is that God wants us to be together so that we all can run with our vision. So I'm going to ask you guys to go home this week and to have a vision. And I want you to think about some of these things. I gave some examples. So in our mind's eye, the, the vision that we see, the thing God is putting on our heart, like I've got some stuff for, for uh, vision for 2022 for Identity Church that we reach out and we have some outreaches that we understand where do we go next how do we reach the community? How do we actually bless the community? Also, from a personal, I'm giving a couple personal examples. You can completely expand this. But I broke it down into relationship, job, and ministry. Because I think a lot of times in people's life, those are the things that hit them. 
But there are other areas as well. Look at your children and, and maybe their uh, things that they're having to do. But hey, I think vacation, everybody needs to take a vacation. You may say, I don't have enough money to take a vacation. Well, guess what? Believe God. Put it on your vision. You know, every time I put it down and I didn't have enough money and I put it down on my vision, I've always had the money to go do it. You know, we were poor. I lost my job. I mean, I'm, I'm going to sit down and have a pity party. It was so bad. How bad was it, Dusty? It was so bad that we had to eat buckets of barbecue that Dad gave us. Hoo! I mean, it was that bad. Okay? But I want you to understand that every single year we put down our vision that we we're going to take a vacation. And every single year God would provide us with the money. He would provide us with the means. I mean... Heck, he would even tell dad to pay for the vacation, which, by, thank you, Jesus. Dad can pay for the vacation this year. That would be awesome. Do you, know that, do you know that at the end of the day, your vision, when you put it down and you believe in it, you believe in it, and you start running with it, God's going to provide it. I believe it. I've seen it. I've lived it. You know what? In my job, I want to have flexibility. I want to have opportunity. I want to have money. Those are three very important things. Be believing if you don't have any one of those areas. You know, ministry, I think everybody, everybody that is a believer in Jesus Christ needs to figure out how to impact the people's lives that are around them. Everybody. There are people in your life that I can't impact. Like, there are people that Stephen and Mary Jane know that I don't know. Like, I couldn't even figure them out even if I wanted to. But they can, and they can touch them. Vicki, everybody in here has a realm of people that I'll never know. So I can't go and minister to those people, but they can. And it's going to be awesome because you can put down visions for those people. You need to. You need to be praying about the people that are around you. The people that need to see Jesus, you need to be able to write stuff down and say, hey, I need this opportunity, Lord, to be able to minister to them. Open up doors of opportunity for me to be able to do that. You know, as I'm, as I'm closing us out, and I want, I want to ask you guys that you would write your vision. We're going to pray over them next week. You know, one of the things I think we need to do is that when we actually have a vision, we need to talk to each other. If the Lord's really illuminating for someone to, hey, I really need to be able to have an inroad with this person. And I know that they're very into cars. Maybe you're not a car person, but you know a car person. They may be somebody that you actually can, can use to be able to create opportunity. You know, some of the greatest connections I've ever had is that I actually matched up people together that I no longer have any communication with. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to say that we need to do that all the time, but there's just certain people that I don't have the same likes. I don't have the same everything. But you know what? I do know what their likes are. I know what these other people's likes are, and I can put them together. And they may be able to minister to them way better than I can. That's why it's important for the runners to not just be you. I need to know what your visions are. You need to know what my visions are. You need to know what your neighbor's visions are. What are you believing for? Where are you wanting to go? Because if you are, then y'all can come together and y'all can help run this race. Everybody bow your head. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you are opening up the minds and the eyes to the heart of each and every person that is in here. And I pray right now in Jesus' name this week as they're coming up with their visions, as they're refining them, as they're putting them on paper. I pray in Jesus' name that you are just illuminating people and opportunities and and areas that they need to focus on. And I pray in Jesus' name that we are going to see 2022 be the greatest year 
with the most things that, ha that could possibly be done completed in 2022. But Father, I want them to think generationally. Father, show them things about their great, 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 great grandkids that you want to be able to put in, your, in their kids and in their grandkids so that it will propagate for a thousand generations. That is my heart, is that a thousand generations from now, people will see you. And then it's because of the words and it's because of the love and it's because of the care that we are putting into our children. And I pray in Jesus' name that by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to affect people's lives. And so their generations after generations for a thousand generations are knowing who Jesus is, living in the truth. And I just pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a fellowship afterwards. So I'm going to pray over the food. I just, I just appreciate everybody for, for being a part of Identity Church this past year. It's been a blessing. We've been going for about a year and a half now. We were in our house for a little while, and then now we've been in this building since October. It's so awesome. I'm just so amazed by what God is doing, and I'm so thankful for you guys to be here. So one of the things about 2021 is I just want to tell y'all thank you for an awesome 2021. It was amazing. 2021 is probably one of the best years that I can remember. And 2022 is going to be awesome. My family's going to expand. I'm getting another son. So I am so thankful for what God is doing. So I'm going to pray over our food, and then we'll go get to eating, okay? Father, we come to Christ Jesus' name. We just thank you for this time of food and fellowship. We just thank you that you are just giving opportunity to us to be able to grow together. And Father, I pray over this food that we're about to receive. May it nourish our bodies. We ask you to sanctify it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>